Okay. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Years ago, a lot of you know that I had a job before this that was not this. I was a, a carpet installer. I was a contractor. I did flooring. And I had a job in an area of Buffalo called Spalding Lake. Now, Spalding Lake was, is where the, the rich live. And when I say rich, I mean rich. Like... Buffalo Bills players buy houses and have houses built in Spalding Lake. There's a gate to get into the community. And I had a, I had a job to do there. I had to work on uh, one of the houses in this area. And, man, i got to tell you, I was intimidated. I was intimidated pulling up to that gate, and you, you go through the gate, and this is just like this whole new neighborhood that people like me aren't supposed to be allowed in with people that I don't, I'm not really supposed to mingle with. And it was very much that presence felt. And I pull up to this massive house. I mean, we're talking like, you know, in the teens' bedrooms. Four full baths. I mean, their master bedroom was bigger than your first floor. Okay, I mean, just sprawled out massive, massive homes. Beautiful homes. And of course, in the driveway are the most biggest, beautiful, expensive, shiny cars. And the people that were in this house, they were, they were well-to-do. They were highly educated, highly refined, very worldly. They had prominent jobs. They were prominent figures. People looked up to them. Some people even worshipped them. And they carried that all around them. And here I am, I'm in like a flannel, a dirty white t-shirt, ripped jeans. I got my tool pouch on and my tools. I'm sweating, working for my butt off for money that they wouldn't get out of bed for. I mean, right? And, and I got to tell you, in that moment, I sinned. I coveted. I, I thought, man, I, I wouldn't feel so lowly. I, I wouldn't... How much better life would be, how much more powerful I would be if I had more education, more sophistication, more money, a job like theirs. My heart coveted after that because I recognized them as greater than I, more powerful than me in that moment. I didn't recognize at that time, in that moment, that I needed to repent. It wasn't about, until about two weeks later 
that I was on an airplane on my way to Philadelphia. Now, it's stupid to take an airplane to Philadelphia from here. Uh, but from Buffalo, it made good sense. The price was right. And so I'm on my way to, to Philadelphia, and uh, I like flying. I don't like the airports, but I like the actual flying part. And I especially like being up in the air in my local area because it's fun to look down on stuff that's familiar to you at ground level to see it from high up. And what did you know? We began to, to make this turn, and I could recognize we were going to fly right over Spalding Lake. And I'll tell you what a different perspective I had of the rich and the famous and the powerful from hundreds of feet up in the air. I looked down in the house that I stood in awe of because it just sprawled and never ended. And it was this big. From up there, it all is this big. None of it struck me like it had any power any majesty, any glory whatsoever. The big Lincolns and, and, and Escalades in the car in the driveways, even tinier. And the people that owned them couldn't even see them. Just a speck moving around. It was in that moment I was able to repent because I had forgotten that in this world truly What matters is not who you are, but whose you are. Amen? It's not who you are. It's whose you are. And we have this distorted view of ourselves that the world puts upon us and and clamors. And we, we clamor for them. If we're not careful, if we don't guard our hearts, we miss out. We miss out. See, David here, he says that the Lord is my shepherd. So as we walk through this together this morning, don't think about the Lord is the shepherd. He's not the shepherd. He's your shepherd. He's my shepherd. Big difference. Big difference. That's that's the difference between knowing about God and knowing God. And and David says the Lord is my shepherd. Shepherd. Well, if if the Lord's David's shepherd, what he's saying about himself is that he's a sheep. That's the only way you have a shepherd. The only people who have shepherds are sheep. They're not people. (laughs) Right? And and if if we know anything about sheep, they're dumb. (laughs) Stubborn. (laughs) Defenseless. Can I get an amen? I mean, right? Uh, Without sense of direction? Prone to wander? Slow to recognize danger? I usually don't recognize it until I'm knee-deep in it. Nervous and uneasy? Easily excitable and frightened? Here it is. A sheep will surely die on their own. And so this is what David's posturing himself as as he looks at his relationship with the Lord. And he knows something about shepherding. He was a shepherd. And in all of his experiences with these dumb animals, he thinks, that's me. And what I did for them, God does for me. This, by the way, is how Jesus sees all people. 
Remember in Mark 6.34? Probably not. So I'll refresh our memory. It says, when he went to the shore, when Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd, a massive crowd, unending sea of faces. And in that sea of faces, you no doubt had all walks of life. In that sea, there was rich people, and there was poor people, there was landovers, and there was slaves. All kinds of people from all walks and all social, economical situations and backgrounds. And what did he say about all of them? He said he had compassion on them all because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So there's that saying, you know, he's like a, a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. Well, what we like to do is we're actually sheep in wolves' clothing. We're sheep who are pretending to be wolves, but we're all sheep. Every human being is seen, as far as the biblical perspective, the heavenly perspective, as sheep. Now, there's two types of people. There are sheep without shepherds, right? And there are sheep with shepherds. Everybody is a sheep. Some people have a shepherd, and some people do not have a shepherd. So how do we get a shepherd? That would be my question. If I can recognize that I'm a sheep, I need a shepherd. How do we get a shepherd? Well, first we have to understand that, that Jesus calls believers my sheep because he died for them. That's how he became Jesus' sheep. It was through his death, burial, and resurrection. So until we place our faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection, we are sheep without a shepherd. Amen? And listen, he says, there's no other way. There's one door into this flock. One. And that is through faith in what he has done on the cross. That's it. He said everybody else that hops the fence and tries to get in, they're considered a thief and will be cast out of that flock. One door. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this is a, this is a, a, a passage that's often read at funerals. Famous funeral passage. And, and I, and I want to kind of redeem it a little bit if that's how we think of this passage because it's actually placed in between Psalm 22 and 24, as you would have guessed, because it's Psalm 23. But Psalm 22 is uh, talking about the first coming of Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus Christ, he's on the cross. He quotes Psalm 22, By God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he ends... The very last words that he, he proclaims is, it is finished. And that's the very last words of Psalm 22. So that is the first coming of Jesus. And then Psalm 24 is about the second coming of Jesus. So sandwiched right in between here, this is the, this is the, the right now. This is the, the already but not yet. What do we do in between the first and second coming? Is the gospel applicable for the right here and right now? Are we just to, to receive Jesus in faith? That we have a, an entrance card into heaven? Are we are just way out our lives the best we can in all the evilness? Waiting until that day we are in the presence of God? 
And the answer, of course, is no. No. But we must, we must recognize ourselves right now and right here today to put off the world and to put on the kingdom of God to recognize that we are sheep. Charles Spurgeon, who every once in a while has some good things to say, says this. He says, No one can trust providence until he distrusts himself. And no one can say, The Lord is my shepherd, until he has given up every idle notion that he can control himself or manage his own interests. And if we're ever in a situation or a season in life that where we feel like we don't have a shepherd, it is because we don't we have leaned too heavily on ourselves. We have become too impressed with our own education, our own abilities and talents, our own bank accounts, or whatever it is that we're pointing to that is a lie making us seem like we are not dumb, stubborn, defenseless, prone to wander, and incapable of living life. Amen? We must recognize that first, because in that recognition, we turn to a Savior. We dive to a Savior. We welcome a shepherd. So what is the result? The first words, of course, are, the Lord is my shepherd. And if this is, the implica- if this is in fact true, if the Lord is my shepherd, if I recognize myself as a sheep needing a shepherd, and the Lord, Jesus Christ, is in fact my shepherd, then the result of that is, I shall not want Another way to put that, another way to translate that is, I shall not lack. That I lack in nothing. That I want for nothing. And then he goes on to talk about all the stuff that we will not want for. He says in verse 2, He makes me lie down in green pastures. This is a, a symbol of rest. And notice how the shepherd needs to make me lay down. Make me rest. Sheep are uh, rattled and skittish and neurotic. Does anybody relate to that? Because I certainly do. Uh, Have have you ever had a, a, a restless night? You've got something coming up in a few days. So something going on, and it just, man, you can't get it out of your head. You can't seem to lay it down. It's just got you bothered. It's got all of your attention to the point you can't even sleep. You're exhausted and can't even draw a wink of sleep because of the neurosis, the neuroticness that that is taking place, the, the unrest. Man, we are people of unrest, amen, in and of ourselves. It's impossible for me to do something as simple as rest. I mean, the Lord knew this because he made it a commandment. <laughs> he commands us to rest because we are not people who would ordinarily do that as desperately as we need it. But the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. See, the sheep 
would just need to, to see and experience the nearness of their shepherd to calm down and to be able to lie down and rest. So if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for rest. He leads me beside still waters. This is nourishment. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want nourishment. We live in the United States of America, and as I look into this room, none of us are malnourished, right? We're pretty healthy people. I mean, we don't, we wouldn't allow ourselves to neglect our physical needs to the point of malnourishment. Most of us, when we're hungry, we eat. Yet, how many times in my life have I starved my spirit to the point of spiritual malnourishment? I pay all kinds of attention to my body, yet neglect the soul that animates it. This is what God said. God said that he, he, he's, he's given us not just water from a fountain, but a water that will make you never thirst again. Remember when we talked about Moses, or the, the Jews were talking about Moses giving a motto from heaven. He's like, man, you missed that completely. Moses wasn't giving you mana from heaven. God has given you mana from heaven. I am that mana. I am the bread of life. Come eat of me. Drink of me. I am the one that sustains and nourishes your soul. And he says that he leads me to the still waters. We know every day, there's a day at the end of the night or even early in the morning when Jesus is standing there extending this leadership to come before him in his presence with the, the word of God open. That we might be nourished, that our souls might be nourished. We know in Deuteronomy, he said, God said, man doesn't survive on bread alone, but by every single word that comes out of God's mouth. So when the Lord is our shepherd, man, we are nourished by his word and his presence. Verse 3 says, He restores my soul. He restores my soul. Man, sheep are prone to wander. They just wander right off. They don't even recognize the danger that they're wandering into. Um, there could be a, a pack of wolves right there, and they'll just they'll wander. And I relate to that. It was one of my favorite songs that when I just scream out, "Prone to wander," because that hey, amen. That is me. I get some idea in my head, and boy, we're just off and running. I'll pray about it later. This is too good to pass up, and I'm just off and running. I've wandered. And, and, and when I do, every single time, here's the thing. When I wander, my soul becomes discouraged and afraid and meek, timid, depressed. And in that state, I am prone to all kinds of attacks from my enemy. And, and here's my mistake. When I'm in those positions, I think things to myself, or I'll say things like this, I'll say, man, i got to try harder. 
I, I know that I've kind of drifted away, but let me double down on my efforts to come back into the fold. <laughs> Remember, you may or may not remember, but me and my friends, we took a trip in the woods. We were at his cabin. We took a trip in the woods. And almost immediately, if we're honest, we were lost. And all that was around us was woods. And we tried desperately for six hours to get back to that cabin. And what we found out was that for six hours, we hurriedly walked in the wrong direction. Every step we took, every one of our efforts, our best efforts, actually got us further away from where we wanted to go. Man, we should have recognized we were sheep in that moment. And just stay put. Call for help and stay there. We needed to be rescued. Praise God. That Jesus Christ is the shepherd that leaves the 99 to rescue the one. Praise God that he, he is a God who is not willing that any of his sheep shall perish. Amen? That he, he comes and gets us and he restores us back into the fold. And he doesn't do it with a scowl on his face or a finger wagging. No, he does it and celebrates that we have come back into his fold. What amazing love, what amazing shepherd we have who restores our soul. So if the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for restoration. He leads me in paths of righteousness. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for direction. He knows the way of righteousness. Lord Jesus says, come and follow me. If I am sticking close to my shepherd, if I am close to Jesus, then I am walking the way of God. And he says he does this for his namesake. What's that old saying? Uh, If you ever see a, a turtle on a Um, a fence post, you know he had help getting there. (laughs) Right? And what makes it funny is that it's kind of like understated. (laughs) Like he didn't have help getting there. Somebody did all of it for him. Right? Listen, when, when you see a Christian persevere year after year and grow in spirituality and become more like God and is safe and protected from this evilness that's taking place and it still sustains a love for God all of these years, rest assured, they cannot brag about it themselves. Because they're like the turtle that's on the, the post. What do we all proclaim? It's by His mercy and grace and power. It is because of Him. It is because of Him that I have relationship with God. It is because of Him that I grow spiritually. So all of this He does that we might proclaim His goodness, His power, and His mercy. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I read a story one time of a guy, he was... She had young children, two boys, young boys, and they were asking him about death. And it was a Christian home, and he was thinking through, how do I have this difficult conversation with with my boys? They had just recently lost a a, a grandmother, 
who was also a believer. And he remembered, he remembered his boys one time when they were walking on the sidewalk. The, the sun was hitting the street just so that it was actually the shadow of the cars passing by was coming up on the sidewalk. And the boys were playing a game where they were trying to dodge the shadow of the cars. And so he thought quick, and the Holy Spirit came in and he said, Boys, would you rather be hit by a truck or by the shadow of a truck? And, and they said, of course, we'd rather be hit by the shadow of a truck. For obvious reasons. And see, he was able to explain that because their grandmother had her faith and hope and believed in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that she did not get hit with death, but only its shadow. Amen? We will not experience this thing of death but just its shadow, because of Jesus Christ. And the other thing that this passage is talking about is those valleys of darkness, thick darkness. We know that even as we follow a shepherd, we will be in, not always in pastures and, and still waters, amen? That this life has in it valleys of deep darkness. And, and listen, sometimes I put myself there. Sometimes I'm in a valley of deep darkness because of my own sin. My own poor decisions. And sometimes, man, we just get there because we live in a fallen world. And there's those patches of darkness all about. You're bound to walk in to some of them. And it's just evil has become upon you with really no fault of your own. But what David recognizes is that either in either case, whether he has gotten there himself by his own stupidity and sin, or just because this world is evil and that's just what we're going to have to deal with while we're here, that he doesn't need to fear it for a couple of reasons. One, he recognizes that this shepherd doesn't run away from danger. This shepherd is always with him, it says. For, for, for you are always with me. That Christ, this the shepherd, is always with him. Everybody else is going to fail you. Everybody else, at one point, you're going to hit something in life, and it's just going to be too much for your best friend, your good friends. But Jesus Christ is never going to fail you. And he has with him this rod and staff. This shepherd, this good shepherd, Jesus Christ, my shepherd, wields great power, and great mercy. And the rod and the staff, it is a symbol of great power and great mercy. He has the rod as a weapon to ward off and scare off any evil that comes into my life, along with this staff of grace. It's this long pole with a hook at the end of it. And he can take that hook and pull me out of whatever darkness I got myself into. Amen? So when I find myself in a valley, whether I put myself there or just because evil has come upon me, I do not need to fear. I shall not fear. Because I am comforted. All I need to do is look at the shepherd and his rod and his staff and be comforted. Now let's not miss this next part. See, it's one thing to have a shepherd that helps us get through stuff. 
But we don't have an ordinary shepherd in Jesus Christ. Amen? This is the good shepherd. We're not just making it through life here. Okay? Verse 5 says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. See, if, if Jesus Christ is my good shepherd, I shall not want for victory. I don't just survive the valleys. I don't just survive death. If I am in Jesus Christ, I am victorious over those things. This is the picture that he's preparing here. To prepare this this table, this feast of celebration, of victory in the presence of my defeated enemies. If the Lord is my shepherd, then I shall not want for power. He says, you anoint my head with oil. This is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. We can, do all, we can do anything that God commands us to do. We can be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. As Ephesians 6.10 tells us. That with the Holy Spirit... Listen. I, I lament and repent at how often this is lost on me. The power that resurrected Jesus Christ is the same power that lives in you right now. If the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want for power. In fact, no wonder the next line is, my cup overfloweth. I have more power than I could ever use. I have more mercy than I can ever use. Every day it's renewed. Every day. Amen? <laughs> you don't seem excited about that. That's a lot of power. <laughs> Way more than living in Spalding Lake. Way more than living in Spalding Lake. Finally, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I read a, a story that really, I thought, illustrates this point well. This pastor had a, a woman in his congregation who was aging and became elderly and started to have trouble with her, her mind. And one day she was waiting in his office and she was panicked. And she said, Pastor, I'm in big trouble and I don't know what to do. And he says, well, what's going on? What can I help you with? And he goes, I got these two men following me everywhere. And so he says, well, tell me, tell me about it. And she says, well, if I'm driving in the car, if I look at my rear view, it's the same two men following me right behind me in the car. And if I'm walking down the street and I look behind me, I see these same two men following behind me. The other day I was in a restaurant eating and I looked over and those same two men were right there. Everywhere I go, these two men are there. I can't seem to shake them. And I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. And the pastor kind of figuring out that it really was just her mind <clears throat> playing tricks on her didn't want to alarm her. So he said to her, listen, don't you have anything to worry about. You don't have to be afraid. Those are, those are from God. Those two men are from God. Their names are goodness and mercy. 
And they will follow you everywhere you go. And I thought, man, what if I walked around conscious of the fact that I got a couple of the shepherd sheepdogs with me at all times, one named goodness and the other one named mercy? How does that change my heart? The way I live, how I think, what fears I buy into. If goodness and mercy are with me all the days of my life. David switches it from the I shall not to the I shalls. The very last line of the psalm reads, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is where this psalm has application all over the place. Because the word shall could be taken as I'm going to. Something that I will do. And we all know, as the next psalm is going to break down for us, that he's coming back. That he's prepared a home for us. I mean, listen, there's a reason why you don't feel 100% comfortable at any given time living here. This isn't your home. And you and I both know that. But we have one. And it's an eternal home. And we look forward to that. But it also is a statement of proclamation. uh, Something that I will do. Like when I was walking up here, I could have said, I shall preach. Psalm 23. And here I am preaching. Psalm 23. So there's this implication that David is saying, yeah, no, I am going to live in the house of the Lord for all of eternity, but when does eternity start? Right now. Right now. We, we know that wherever the Lord is, there his house is. And so what he's talking about there is living in the presence of the Almighty God. And listen, If Jesus Christ is my shepherd, then I get to live right now and for all of eternity in the presence of the Almighty God. Amen? Heavenly Father, God, please teach us how to be sheep. It's difficult to be sheep. Because this world is filled with wolves. And God, as a sheep, when I get around a wolf, I have a tendency to try to act like a wolf. And I forget that I'm a sheep. God, even that term in this world is a term of insult. If somebody calls you a sheep, they're not paying you a compliment. We know this. It's got a negative connotation. God, allow it in my soul to not be a negative thing, but a glorious thing that I recognize my inadequacy, my smallness before your throne, that I might fully experience the Lord Jesus Christ as my shepherd. It's in his name we pray. Amen.
I had told Pastor and Mary and Gabe that I was not convinced of the closing song, and um, I am going to change it. They have been able to find it and pull it up, and we're going to do In Christ Alone. I just feel that that's the song that um, has been on my heart this week, and we don't have it for you guys. Um, So if you would stand with me and sing um, this song that's been around and is around the world. In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are sealed, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the wrath of Christ I live. There in the ground his body lay. Wide of the world by darkest slain. Then bursting forth in glorious day. Up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands, 